Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. In relationships, we all think that we're the normal one, don't we? (laughs) And we think our partner, our husband, our spouse, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our boss is the crazy one. But do you realize that they might think that you're the crazy one? And in reality, we're all crazy. We've all got some craziness to us, don't we, everyone? And I think if we keep these wonderful, wonderful drama acts and skits going with you and them, Ken, mate, that'll stop us from getting crazy. That was absolute pure gold. (laughs) But wouldn't that be a great dating question to ask? What kind of crazy are you? Are you the kind of crazy that will send capital letter text messages, where are you, I want you here right now? Or are you the kind of crazy that is more like, why did you put the dishes back in the wrong spots? (sighs) Heavy breathing. (laughs) What kind of crazy are you? Gee, that would be an interesting dating question to ask. But the sooner we all come to terms with the fact that you have to do life with people who are different to you, the better. And so this evening, I'm going to share for a little while, and then we have the incredible Donna Paulin, who is also going to share as well. Don's, you and me, Donna and Dan, D squared. Great combination. So I'm going to just quickly focus on two areas of relationships. And one area I want to focus on is confidence when relating to people. And the other one is finding the right person to marry. Ooh la la. Firstly, confidence when relating to people. Confidence is a huge key for walking into the destiny that God has for you. Do you know that? Confidence is a huge key. And in Proverbs 3 verse 26, it says this, For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Another version says snared. But this is one of those scriptures that Dan Zare has put to memory. I have memorized this, and many a time I have found myself quoting this to myself. For the Lord is my confidence. For the Lord is my confidence. He will keep my foot from being snared. I'm even saying it now. There you go. So it's really good to have a scripture that you can turn to to help you when your confidence has walked out on you. But I want to give you now a few quick tips and hints for keeping your confidence when relating to people. Number one, don't focus on the right answer. Focus on adding value to the person. Focus on the person, okay, not the answer. Because if you focus on saying the right thing and how am I going to look, how am I going to come across, how are they going to respond to this, what I'm about to say, you will very easily put yourself into a snare of fear. You are then setting yourself up for anxiety rather than authenticity. And it will really block your confidence, So, people, remember this. Putting dignity and value on someone and empowering them in a conversation, they will remember that much more than a brilliant answer that you gave to them. They will remember feeling valued in a conversation much more. Number two, learn the skill of small talk. Who enjoys, who actually enjoys small talk here? Not many of you, I can see. <laughs> Put your hand up if you're one of those people that says, I hate small talk. 
I don't like doing small talk. Okay, yep, lots of you. I understand. However, small talk is a part of life. (laughs) Small talk is one of those things that you will almost do every day of your life with someone. And so it's important to actually get good at small talk because this is the reason why you need to get good at small talk because small talk confidence can convert to big talk confidence. And so get good at asking questions in small talk, open-ended questions, follow-up questions, listen well, tune in. And this is one of the things that I want you to take out of tonight's message. Seek common interest. In small talk, seek a common area that you can connect with. Because then even if there is tension, even if there is different values, even if there is, you can see a bit of arrogance in the other person, you can still try to look for that common ground. And then when you do, you can have influence in that space. Right, let's keep moving. Number three, prepare before you talk. Lots of you know that so often good preparation leads to great performance. And that goes with a whole lot of different areas and a a whole lot of different subject matter. Um, But it's the same with your conversations and the same with your small talk. Practice it. You know, even when Lizzie and me started dating, in my phone, I would actually write down some things that I wanted to talk to her about before our dates. And it was great because then I had it there and I could think about all the things I wanted to cover. Okay? Even before I often go to a place, say a party or even church this evening, I was thinking about some of you and I was thinking, actually, I want to talk to this person about that. Actually, I want to try and catch them this evening. I hope they're there so I can talk to them about this. That's the way my brain functions. Okay? But I really do encourage you to start preparing, okay? Preparation will help your confidence. And the last thing for this is declare what God says about you over yourself. You are a son or a daughter of God. So right there, you should be living in a world of royal confidence. Because when you understand who God is and what he says about you, that should help translate into who you are in terms of your confidence, okay? He has given you a royal confidence, and you need to speak it over yourself. Speak it over yourself when you're going into different areas where you will naturally be nervous. And we see that even in the story of Gideon, where God calls him mighty warrior. God called him that. But in the story, we know that Gideon was far from being a mighty warrior, in the early part of his journey. So it's important to do that. Just before leaving for Singapore, I had a discussion with my boss and it didn't go according to plan. He wanted me to finish up my teaching position early because he knew that uh, I was heading over there. And I was a little bit annoyed and a little bit ticked off at this. But I felt to hold on to my confidence and to actually keep trying to not give up. So I did two things. Number one, I actually went to my supervisor and asked her, and then she spoke up on my behalf. And church, sometimes you need someone who can believe in you, encourage you, and actually esteem your confidence. Because when your confidence is low, it's really good to turn to someone and be very honest and say, can you help me? My confidence is shot. I need some help right now. And she did that on my behalf. The second thing I did, I went back to my boss. And guess what I did? 
I asked my boss if I could interview him to get some advice for teaching and some wisdom for life. And he was quite taken back by this. But during this situation, I kept a soft heart towards him, even though it was hard. I didn't want to let offence get in the way. And he ended up changing his mind and letting me finish my position on the terms that I wanted. But that came about from keeping my confidence. That came about from me keeping a soft heart towards him. I then got a call from him when I returned from Singapore. And he asked me if I would go and work for him at one of the most prestigious schools in Sydney, along Sydney Harbour, full-time teaching. And I turned him down. I said no. And I said, that's revenge. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. But keeping my confidence in that situation was challenging. But Hebrews 10.35 says, do not, throw your Sorry, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Richly rewarded. Do not throw away your confidence in your conversations. Do not throw away your confidence when you have to address people and have when there's some conflict going on. Stay calm. Right here. Let's keep moving. Finding the right person to marry. We're completely shifting gears here, aren't we? <laughs> so there is a picture on the screen, and this is the first picture I have of Lizzie Zer. Now, you guys think she's looking at the camera, but she's actually looking at me. <laughs> Who would blame her? Who would blame this girl? But after your salvation, the second biggest decision you make in your life is who you marry. And the decision came very easy for Lizzie <laughs> because she saw who really put the stud in Bible study. <laughs> Can we um, make sure we record this, Brad, and put this on the podcast? Thanks, boys. All right. <laughs> totally dreamy, Ken. The truth is, though, that Lizzie has been like a fine wine for me. She gets better and better over time, and that's because she's a grower. She's committed to growing. But here's the thing. You actually need to leave room for someone to grow in a relationship. And what do I mean by a grower? Well, I mean someone that is committed to becoming a better person. And when they know their identity is in Christ, they cannot help become a better person. When someone's foundations are rooted and firmly established in Christ, they will continually become a better person, like a fine wine, like my wife. So I'm just going to quickly touch on three quick things to help you and three things that you need to do to help you find the right partner. Things you need to look for. Number one, your calling. Your calling. Because... If your future girlfriend or boyfriend is thinking about being a missionary in Africa and you want to spend the rest of your life living in redhead, <laughs> I would have some considerable questions. It seems like God has you on two different paths. And calling is important to share and share with each other when dating. And Brookie, you've shared the story many times about how Dissa in your, on your first date spoke of how he felt called to Sri Lanka. Hey? And so right there, we see a prime example of calling. Calling is very important. And so you want to see if your callings do align. Number two, chemistry. It's just one stone in the foundation of the relationship, 
But for 95% of the population, including Dan Zare, it's an important one. First thing that drew me to Lizzie was her attractiveness, okay? And you might think that's a little bit shallow, but for 95% of the population, attraction is very important. And so it was not a spiritual encounter for me straight up. It was more of a physical encounter. (laughs) But what I mean by chemistry is definitely attraction. However, it is also having fun together. Because attraction can grow. And when you have fun with someone, and when you can, let yourself just relax and have fun together in relationship, it is incredible the attraction and the chemistry that can start to take place. So remind yourself to have fun. Right. Um, But if attraction becomes the only thing, an isolated foundation stone, look out. Because trouble will one day come knocking and then your attraction to that person can go to a fatal attraction. So please be careful. If the only thing you're looking for is attraction, be really careful. Number three, character. This is a really important one because a person's character can be unbelievably attractive. When it comes to character, emotional maturity, that's what you need to be looking for. Watch how they react and respond to conflict. When things are unfair, how do they respond? Can they forgive people? Can they keep a short account? Or do they continually bring up your mistakes and your shortcomings? Do they bring up things that you have done in the past three years ago and keep bringing that up? Be careful if they do that. Guys, does drama always seem to follow the girl? Do they like being and causing drama and talking about drama? Be careful, boys. Girls, can the guy be steady and show strength and vulnerability? You want a guy who can be vulnerable and strong. How do they treat other people? We need help looking for the right partner. So ask God, commit it into his hands and be willing to risk it. And let me just finish on this. When I met Lizzie in Malaysia... It was not planned at all. And I was going to visit her family and spend a week volunteering at an orphanage that her church supports. And then I met her. Lo and behold, I saw an angel and I started singing Guy Sebastian's song, Angels Brought Me. No, not really. But I met her for that first time and I thought, wow, this girl, there's something special about her. But nothing happened. Three for three years. I came back here. We had no contact, no communication for three whole years. But something was happening in my heart about this girl. It was growing like a seed in me. And sooner or later, I realized that that I needed it. I needed to see her again. I needed to take a risk. And so I flew all the way from America, where where, where we had our cousin's wedding, to China to do my stopover in Gongzhou Airport, and then to KL. And when I got to KL, I was so nervous. My confidence had walked out of me in, at the, in the airport, but I wrote this in my phone. Now I'm at the airport waiting for my flight. Holy moly, I'm anxious. Part of me is thinking, Dan, what the heck are you doing, mate? You crazy fool. But then I've got this peace and low expectation this chilled sense of grace. 
And so, Lord, this prayer comes from deep within me. Father, I love you. Lizzie seems too good to be true. She seems out of my league. She's elegant, she's attractive, and she's soft. I don't even know her that well, but God, you do. You're on both our sides, and if it's your will, you can bring us together. Help me, Lord, to put you first, to trust your guidance. And I ask that it will go so well that if it's your will, help both of us to feel it deep within us. I commit my plans, my words, my moves, and my eyes. If she isn't the one, I ask, Father, you will make it known to me soon, and yet I will trust in the Lord, because I've got no idea what I'm doing, God. But help me to keep a chilled mindset, glory to you, and all things for your name. And I made it all the way there, and it was the most incredible four days of my life. It was totally worth risk, risking getting shut down to get the open up. And so if you are young, entrust your future partner to God. Ask him to help you. Ask him for, for his guidance. And go about your father's business and your business, what's in here, and it'll be amazing. The right person at the right time will come straight in. Awesome. Thanks, church. Thanks, Dons. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, Dan. And uh, you really are a great friend to so many people. So, you know, we do love our, we lean our ear in when you talk about relationships. You're a great, great guy. So, how are we going, guys? (laughs) You with me? Okay, so the next part of our night, I actually, we're going to talk about being emotionally resilient. How does that sound? Okay, we're going to dig a little bit, bit deep down because I, want, I think this is a real key in being able to find the confidence that Dan was talking about and being able to show up at work and be present and cope with situations like that. And... I really do believe that to have healthy, life-giving relationships is an internal thing. We need to do some internal work. So here we are, relational beings made in the image of a relational God, eternally present as Father, Son and Holy Spirit, a loving, life-giving relationship. That's who we've been made in the image of. So, therefore... Relationships, uh, the quality of our late relationships are directly um, impact the quality of our lives because we're made for relationship. So by quality, what do I mean? By quality means the level of contentment and enjoyment and pleasure you get from your interactions with others, with people. So let me set a foundation in scripture. Is that Okay. Come with me, Mark 12, 30 to 31. Love the, this is Jesus speaking. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And he's asked which was the greatest commandment and he went on to say, and the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And I would say there is no key to life greater than these. And so this tells us that the way, the end of those verses tells us the way we actually love ourselves has a direct impact on how we love others. Okay, next verse, John 8, 32. 
speaking to the religious leaders, Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay. And so this is telling us that truth has a power to set us free. Freedom from bondage, bondage maybe to sin, bondage to religion, bondage from our past. And the opposite is also true. So if truth has a power to set us free, then lies and deception have a power to keep us in bondage. Okay, you're with me. And this is Satan's strategy. Satan's strategy from the garden is this very thing. Jesus said of him that he was a liar from the beginning and when he lied he spoke his native language because he was a liar from the beginning and the father of lies so next verse Romans 12 1 to 2 you're getting all my, <laughs> all my verses up front therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will and this transformation that these verses is talking about is not just in our head Okay, because it says renewing your mind. But the word mind here is, is in the Greek, nous, N-O-U-S. I don't even know if that's how you say it. doesn't matter. But it actually doesn't mean just your thinking. It means the way of thinking and feeling. The seat of your emotions and your affections. So this, not, this is not just information in your head that we're talking about here. This transformation is to be integrated into your very being. We're transformed as the deep truths of what God says about us, as Dan said before, um, about our worth and our value as human beings... Um, who are created in his, in his image as these truths become internalized into our being. And Jesus is very powerfully in that moment rewriting for you the story of your life. Don't underestimate that. And so this is important because these verses tell me that the degree to which I can ascertain God's will for my life, I can determine what he wants for me, is directly related to the degree to which this transformation has been able to take place. So this is what I've experienced. My experience has been that all the wonderful truths of scripture that you can read about and hear about will be like water off the duck's back if you have internalised false beliefs about who you are. Negative false beliefs. And I have experienced it myself, but I've seen many people 
we hear the truth, but it's like it just rolls off because deep down inside, somehow they have internalised and agreed with a negative false perception of who they are. And who do you think is cheering at that point? So where, where do we pick up these negative false beliefs? Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Are you on the page? You know that if you believe negative things about yourself, it's quite powerful to determine the course of your life. You know, where do we get these false beliefs? We get these false beliefs from the world that we grow up and live in. It's a broken world and people are broken and we bump up against them. We're born into families and no one is perfect. And here we are navigating our life and it can just be unmet, unmet expectations in a family, the expectations you felt, it may not even be verbalised. But somehow growing up in your family, you, you, you took on this, I, I, need, to be, I need to be perfect. Uh, you know, I need to, you know, try harder. I can't make a mistake. And so you've got this, you know, innate belief that unless I am perfect, there's something wrong with me. Or I'm not good enough has been sown in there. <laughs> or there's so many that you can pick up from your family of origin. You just need to have a little look at your family and look back a few generations and you might be able to see some of those things that have been a struggle in your family of origin. I know for me, in my family of origin, on one side of my family, there's lots of sexual brokenness. And here I was as a child um, going through sexual abuse. Now, I can see that almost, not that I was lined up for that, but that's this thing that's just in my family of origin, something I need to take note of, something I can be aware of. And for you, it might be broken families. There might be generations of broken marriages and you actually want to have a great marriage. And so, but you may have bought the lie that marriages don't last forever or I don't want to get married because of what might occur. Anyway, let's keep going. You can receive lies from being um, subjected to racism or sexism. You know, Ivan grew up in the 70s as a Greek boy going to school. <laughs> and so he was subjected to racism. So what did that do for him? Bought, he bought into the lie was, you've got to be seen, but, you know, well, try not to be seen, actually. Try not to be seen. It's better if no one sees you. So even now, if we go out for dinner and something's wrong with the meal and I want to say something, he doesn't want to say anything. No, don't bring attention to yourself. Anyway, that's just saying. I, I grow up believing that it was a man's world. So that was a lie from the pit of hell. Bullying. I'm just giving you ways that lies can get in. Social media. You've got that one to navigate against. Projecting messages and images of what success is supposed to look like. And so if you listen to that, you will believe, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not wealthy enough, I, I don't have enough friends, <laughs> I, I'm not funny enough, I, I, you know, no one. Um, you believe that no one likes you, that you're all alone, that you don't belong, and it's all rubbish. Um, abuse. So that was my story. With abuse, you can ha it has the power to damage your inner wiring, you know, <laughs> incredibly. 
Um, and so if you've had any form of physical, emotional or sexual abuse, you will have lies present underneath. My, one of my biggest ones was, I have to look after me because no one else can. So that's okay. So your body is an amazing thing. Your, your resilience as a human being is amazing. And that protects me. That, that, that protected me for a while. I have to look after me and everyone else. Um, so you take that on. But if I go into my adulthood and I haven't dealt with what caused those problems in my life and I come into agreement with that, I take that not just as a false belief but it becomes a spirit in my life, an independent spirit. Now, if you were in pre-marriage counselling, I probably wouldn't advise you go into your marriage with an independent spirit. That'll be good to you. That'll be how you can create intimate relationships with your husband because you're independent. Now, you can see how having an independent spirit, um, well, what it, what it did for me, it kept my friendships to a surface level. It kept my, my marriage. We went through quite a few years of difficulty when we first got married because I had this strong independent spirit. And God wants to be close to me. And I would say to him, you look after everyone else because I've got me. Okay, and that's not good for anyone. So we're handed this script from whatever we've been through in our lives and we live out of that. Um, maybe not outwardly. Maybe not outwardly because we're masters at hiding what we truly feel, aren't we, with our behaviour. But inwardly, we do struggle. So, okay. Um, can you imagine if you truly believed in the core of your being that you were worthless, then would you be shocked if someone treated you badly? Dan's been talking about finding the right partner. But if you really felt you were worthless, do you think you might settle for maybe anyone really because I'm not really worth it? Uh, if you were being treated badly in relationships and you actually believed I'm worthless, then you'd probably put up with that. You'd probably put up with that for a very long time when you really should have left. You could allow people to mistreat you and stay in very destructive relationships. You could even, to a point, want to harm yourself because for you that... I deserve it. I am worthless. Can you see the power of these lies to set you up? You know, not for what God wants for your life, but for failure. Um, and it's not necessarily about age, guys, growing up um, emotionally. You know, because you can be 70-year-old and an emotional infant. And you can be 20 years old. And you can be emotionally present. You can be emotionally mature enough so that not only can you take your place on this earth, but you can help others. And that's the goal. That's the true goal. Be able to help others. Love others as you love yourself. And that's where you'll find purpose in this world. How do I get free? How do you get free of these lies? Well, you face it. 
you know, maybe you've been coming up and butting up against the same thing over and over and over again. And that means there's something keeping that thing anchored to you. And it's probably a lie you've believed about yourself. And maybe it's time to let Jesus rewrite the script on the inside of you. We face it. (laughs) We've got to be brave enough to do that. Take a step outside of of your life. Look at your (laughs) behaviour. And say, why do I keep doing that? We walked into our new house that we now live in, but when we were looking at it, and it was wonderful. But you know, I was walking around like this. It was, I could see myself doing it. And it was just left over negative false beliefs I had that came in when I was a child and we lived with not much. And you know what I was saying to myself? This is a really nice house, but it's too good for me. <laughs> so I'm just saying to say that it's renewing. This is a skill that you're going to learn, but you're going to go on throughout your life. You'll still pick, the animal you'll still want to sow lies in and you're going to get good at identifying it and letting the tr- getting it out and letting the truth of God in there. Deep change can take place when we let him rewrite the internal narrative or our story. And he gives us his Holy Spirit as our counsellor to guide us through. Because you might need some help when you face some things like I did. Then I actually needed to trace where that came from. And I knew, and it was a scary thing um, to open up, and I needed help to do that. So I went to a counsellor. Best thing I ever did. You might need to go to a psychiatrist, or you might just need a trusted friend or someone to pray along with you. But you you dig around and trace it and work out where did that come in and you've got it shaken because once you have knowledge, you have power, okay? And then you can replace that thing with the truth. You, You ask God to forgive you for believing those lies about yourself that you were not good enough, that you were not worth it. He went to the cross for you. He died for you. You are so worth it. And it's wonderful to be free of this stuff. (laughs) Um, To know that you're lovable. I am worthy of love. That you're worthy of rest. That you're entitled to joy and pleasure on this earth. To believe in the core of our being that I'm not alone. I'm allowed to make mistakes. I don't have to be perfect. Okay. I'm just going to pray in a moment. And I just wonder if anyone here would like me to pray for them. If you really feel, you know, you've got some things that God wants to deal with. You know, finally, you know, all right, God, it's time. I need to deal with that. I have believed a lie about it myself and it's holding me back. It's holding me back from engaging in relationships. It's holding me back from believing I can try new things. It's holding me back from actually being vulnerable and opening up and enjoying my life. So if let's all just close our eyes so that it's just us and God. And in this moment, I just want to say, 
I'm just going to get you to do something brave. God's always asking me to, to do brave things. And I just want you to stand if you would like me to pray for you in this area. This area of internalised false beliefs that maybe have hold you, holding you back from thriving in relationships. So everyone's got their eyes closed. I'm just going to give you a moment because I can't be the only one who's believed lies, you know, in the, the core of my being about who I am, who I am in God and my value. You can only imagine the shame-based lies the enemy sowed into my life as a child with what I went through. But to have God replace that narrative with his beautiful life words, his words of love and say, no, you're so valuable to me. Okay, there's some standing. That's wonderful. And I, I say to you this, do you realise the opposition right now of the powers and principalities that would love to keep you in bondage? They would. So I say to you, well done. You're brave. You're standing. Something's already beginning to break over your life. And some things only come out with prayer. That's what, that's what um, Jesus said to his disciples. Um, and by standing, I'm saying that lie is on shaky ground right now. And so let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, you shed your blood so that we can be set free to live a new life, a new creation in you, sons and daughters loved by you. We acknowledge right now that we have believed lies about who we are, lies about ourselves that have held us back in life. We declare that we will not be defined by them any longer. We let it go. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak words of life and to rewrite the story, rewrite our inner narrative, the story with your life words, the new story of our lives. Thank you. In Jesus' name, you can take your seat. And I really do pray that God gives you courage to stay on the journey. Because <laughs> it is a lifelong journey, as I've said. But I know that he wants you to be free. You know, I, I look at all you young people in here and I don't want your life to be defined as a Christian by what you can't do. What you can't do. We've got too many miserable Christians out there defining their lives by what they can't do. But I want your life to be defined by the life of God being worked out in your life. The, his values, his beautiful principles in your life. And get, get alive with the Holy Spirit and let him show you how great your life can be. Um, living and loving and doing well in our relationships. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.